We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. And welcome in, everybody. This is the Mile High Podcast. I am your host, at least one of them, Scott Kennedy, along with the co-host, you know, the regular here, Zach Kelberman over on this side. We've got NFL Combine to talk about. Front seven. Could the Broncos use in front seven guys? Yeah, you might want to keep an eye on those guys. We're going to talk about a lot of them. There's been some quarterback developments since we last saw you, at least on the MHH podcast, that we want to get into. But first, Zach, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Welcome to the offseason. It's kicked off. I'm so happy, Scott, that we have tangible news to talk about, the press conferences with George and Sean Payton, all the quarterback meetings the Broncos have had, and also, as we titled the pod, some defensive linemen and some defenders, front seven help the Broncos could target. I am raring to go, Scott. I don't know about you. Yeah, last year, I didn't really think about it. We we, we were talking about all the changes we made, and we look good at this, and then all of a sudden, in, in like in August, Nick goes on Broncos for breakfast, Scott, have you looked at the depth on the defensive line for the Denver Broncos. I'm like, no, not really. And then I looked at it and went, okay, Zach Allen, I was a big fan of his, that signing. DJ, DJ Jones had a great uh, 2022. We are okay there. And then after that, <laughs> Jonathan Harrison's your next guy, penciled in as a starter. I wanted him cut in the preseason last year. You know, he's, he's okay, but I mean, as a starter. And then, the front seven, you know, I, I Singleton, Alex Singleton gets a lot of heck. He's like, oh, well, he missed more tackles than anybody in the NFL. Well, he also made more tackles than anybody in the NFL. What that tells me is he's getting more opportunities than anybody in the NFL because nobody is making a tackle on the line of scrimmage. So front sevens, yes, very important. We're going to get into that tonight because there's some exciting, exciting talent could be available at 12. Some third-round guys, some guys you can trade up for, some depth pieces down the line. I like it. I'm excited. You know what else I'm excited about? Sam Bam coming in. We go live uh, on this channel every night, seven nights a week, because we like having the, the conversation with y'all. Sam Bam comes in. He says, evening, everyone. Regardless of what the Broncos decide to do for quarterback this year, I just hope 
This is the last offseason we're talking about, talking who the next owner, GM, head coach, and quarterback will be for a long time. Owner, you're set. GM, Mm. I'm not sure about that one. Head coach, I think you got at least one more a year for sure. (laughs) Uh, The patience on that one. And then quarterback, I'm not so sure. The only one I feel good about in 2027 that we're not talking about somebody different is the Penner Walton Penner group out of that bunch, Sam Bam. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Scott. But the, the beauty of it is, and I know it's it's a tough process, but if the Broncos get it right at quarterback, if they draft the right guy, whoever that may be, you will we would be set at quarterback through 2027 and hopefully beyond. But I agree with you. Uh the report card came out, Scott. I don't know if you saw from the NFLPA, the Broncos ownership group got a solid A. I think they were in the top five. So they're in good hands there. GM, I agree with you, George Payton, probably his last year working under Sean Payton. Peyton's going to be here for at least a couple of years. And the quarterback, the pesky quarterback, if you get it right, this whole conversation becomes much more positive. Yeah. If you get the quarterback right, it's a lot easier to keep your coach for a lot longer, True. too. True. Uh, you know, that's the true chicken of the egg type thing. There aren't too many Hall of Fame quarterbacks without Hall of Fame coaches and vice versa. You start thinking about it, and I'm like, all right, who really did the best job? This is an old school question for you. Who won the most without a franchise quarterback, Zach? Of any coach? Yes. As far as like who had the most success of the dynasties that won two or more Super Bowls in a 10-year span, which team was it that did it without a franchise quarterback? Pittsburgh. <laughs> they had Terry Bradshaw. I don't yeah, know. Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm he thinking. had four, I think. And then I think Roethlisberger got one. So they got one for the thumb with Roethlisberger. I went Dallas. They had Aikman. I went the Niners. They had Young in Montana. The Patriots mm-hmm. had Brady. What's the answer? It was Joe Gibbs and the Washington Redskins. Uh, he won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. How did he do it? Trenches, trenches, trenches. He, uh, he had the Hogs. Um, and I'm, I think Art Monk and that bunch may have had a nickname group too, but, uh, you know, it was that, that was the, that was the anomaly as far as uh, the, the hall of fame coaches and hall of fame quarterbacks usually go hand in hand. And, you know, if Theisman hadn't gotten snapped in half, you know, he may have been around for more than one of those Super Bowls. but I think I thought it was Warren Moon and Jay Schrader, but I know Rippin won one. So maybe Theisman didn't win one and it was, I don't remember for sure. I mean, it wasn't Warm Moon. It was um, Doug. I'm already forgetting Doug his Williams. Name. He was at Tampa. Doug Williams. He was at Tampa for a long time. And then I thought Schrader won one, and I'm positive Rippin won one. So trenches, trenches, trenches. Otherwise, get your quarterback, and you're likely to have your general manager and your and your uh, coach around a lot longer too. David McElrath coming in with some stars. Thank you, Papa Thank Barry. You, Says good evening, Broncos country. Chad, not yet. He's uh, planning on being back Sunday. I talked to him today. I said, yeah, I figured you'd you'd uh, text me about you know noon on Sunday. Planning on being back, but be ready to go. And then about 5 o'clock saying, yeah, I need you to go. So we'll see Chad on Monday. <laughs> um, Zach, Dylan, Deacon Scott, May or McCarthy, hashtag, hashtag Buckham times five. That's a lot of Buckhams, dude. Hashtag MHH for life and hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, David. Want to say hello to Michael Ronquillo, who has been going off. Uh, came in with, I think he probably doubled the stars take for February this morning. 
So thank you, thank Michael, you, Michael, for everything you do for us. As Kadima, Zach, and Scott on the Mile High Huddle podcast. Go Broncos. We want to talk a little past news. Did you have any big takeaways, any 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 burning desires you wanted to get to from the, the press conferences before we moved on? So anything that was really – was any sticking in your brain? Two biggest takeaways. One is obvious is that Russell Wilson's gone. The way they talk about him, the way they frame things, it's a matter of when and not if they release him. Sean Payton said probably in the next week or two, so that is going to happen. And also, you know, it was a lot of coach speak and GM speak, Scott. I, I was expecting that going in. But Peyton was Sean, uh, George Payton was asked about trading up to number one, and he basically said it'd be a, a unrealistic considering the lack of picks that we have. So maybe it, they're either going to stay put at 12 or possibly even move back. I know if George had his way, he'd move back and acquire more picks, but Sean Payton's the wild card here. He's going to get aggressive and want to get his guy, so we'll see what he does. Yeah, and um, you know, he actually, it wasn't even number one. He said top three. So, and it was, can you, what about trading into the top three? He says, it just doesn't seem realistic. Um, and, you know, that's, that is realistic. We've been saying that for the get-go. I don't think, I think if there's a move, any movement in the top three, I, I say this before free agency, you know, if New England goes out and gets Kirk Cousins, all bets are off. But um, as far as the top three goes, they all need quarterbacks too, you know, yeah. and it's, it's hard to say, we want to trade up for a quarterback with a team that wants a quarterback. Well, that doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. So um, I think it's going to be hard. If there's any movement, it might be within the top three. You know, someone said, you know, the Bears are on the phone with uh, with the commanders saying, hey, listen, um, the New York Giants have just offered us Daniel Jones and two first-round draft picks to come up and get whoever you think you want. Um, why don't we switch these two picks? But we'll see. Uh, the team that I have said to watch and – Yes, it is familiarity, but it's also true. And for some reason, there seems to be a lot of parallels between the Atlanta Falcons and Denver Broncos since uh, since Nick and I started doing the two shows together in the mornings, including the Falcons visiting the Broncos next year. Meet and greet. Hello. Wait and, say, wait and see uh, on that one. But I've been saying watch the Atlanta Falcons at eight because they need a quarterback more desperately than really anybody else ahead of you right now. The, unless, you know, Minnesota Vikings are still in good shape if they want to be with Kirk Cousins, I think. So we'll see on that one. But Minnesota Vikings, they have, they're closer to having a quarterback than the Atlanta Falcons are. Well, the news this week, Zach, was that it broke out of NBC Chicago, was that the Atlanta Falcons have contacted, now this isn't just speculation, he reported this as fact, have contacted the Chicago Bears about trading for Justin Fields, and they are the team to beat right now. That opens up J.J. McCarthy in a big way. That takes one quarterback off the board with a team ahead of you and, frankly, becomes a prime trade-up position from 12 to 8 if you feel like you have to get in the top 10 to get a quarterback. There's a lot that's been going on. I read earlier today the Patriots supposedly have a plan where they're going to draft a quarterback at 3 and uh, sign a veteran and, and get rid of Mac Jones. The number four, the Cardinals spot could be open for business. But if quarterbacks go one, two, and three, Scott, the Broncos would have no interest there. The thing with Fields, I don't know if you saw that video that his manager took of Fields celebrating in his house. And I heard him say, uh, you're going home. And he's yeah, from ready the, to go home. Yeah, he's from the Georgia area. You'd know better than I would, but I hope Fields does land there because if the Broncos want McCarthy or let's say Jaden Daniels or Drake May falls in some alternate universe, that is a much more palatable 
landing spot, a trade-up spot than moving up to one, two, or three. I just wonder what it would take, you know, because if there's other teams in there, let's say Vegas is on the horn too. You know, that's the thing is it's not just you. I still think to go up four spots from 12 to eight may cost you your 25 number one because you don't have a number two this year. I don't want your third. I'm not interested. Your 2025 number two doesn't really interest me either. Maybe a three and a two, maybe a future two, but I'm on the phone until the very last second holding out for your 2025 number one. Um, I've just, we've had this discussion before. Would you rather have JJ McCarthy um, giving up your 2025 number one, or would you rather have Bo Nix and, and staying at 12? Mm. It's the chicken or the egg, huh? At that point, I think I'd probably rather stay at 12 just because if it all goes bad, Carolina Panthers, I don't want to give up a future top 10 pick. You know, if it all goes great, so be it. Again, if you hit, it doesn't matter where you draft. Right. It doesn't matter if you give up three picks, three number ones, if you hit or you get Mr. Irrelevant, it doesn't matter. But you've got to be pretty sure about this. Um, you know, I like McCarthy better than Knicks, but not two first round picks better than Knicks, more than likely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the beauty of this is, Scott, if they do move up to eight as opposed to one, two, or three, you'd be keeping PS2 in that deal. So it's having your cake and eating it as well because a lot of Broncos country was on board with, you know, do anything for a quarterback, ship off PS2, multiple first-round picks. It would make it a little more digestible, but you're right. It would cost the Broncos a pretty penny, probably a first or next year's second at the minimum. But I'll say this every time. I'll say it again. If Sean Payton signs off and if Sean Payton's a thousand percent convinced that's a trade I'm willing to make. Yeah, I just I, I guy who is coaching also doing general manager. It's yeah, it's different. It's not only is it different skill sets, but it's different priorities. You know, a general manager is looking at the 10-year plan 
coaches are like, right now, I want to win right now. And I mean, there is some building in there, some development and stuff, but it's definitely not the same as a general manager with coaches. And they're, they're willing to give up more in the near term for, you know, that quick hit, that, that rush, that instant rush, as opposed to thinking long term. Uh, it's a discussion that, that Nick and I had when we first started about, you know, who with Pat Sertan or I don't even remember his name at this point, but he was, uh, was it Flowers or somebody cornerback out of Virginia Tech who had health issues? I think he's a better scheme fit. I don't care about scheme in the first round. I don't give a damn about scheme in the first round. I don't, especially on defense, for God's sake, because that guy's going to play for six different coordinators over the course of his career. I want scheme independent. So we'll see on this. Uh, David Yunkin comes in. He says, which DL? Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the, the combine today. I'll tell you what. I love trenches. I love the defensive linemen. They're my favorite players out there, probably because they're the get-off-the-bus guys. You know, you get a 6'6", 260-pound defensive end. Those are some of the most physically imposing human beings on the planet. That and probably NBA power forwards. He says, which DL would you guys really want Denver to get after quarterback? You got anybody that you're, you've got your eye on that you would say, you know, hey, I, I can get, I can trade a third and a fourth and get to the second and get Bo Nix. I want to use 12 on a defensive lineman. What's my dream shot here? It wouldn't be my first or second choice if we're being realistic. I think I'd go either like tackle at 12 or quarterback at 12. So I know, I, I know, I know. But David's asking about DL. Which DL do I'm you just want? Providing context. I, I would say Jared <laughs> Verse. I, I know he's a little bit of a, a position flexible depending on the scheme. But like, like you said, Scott, these prospects are scheme independent. If they can get after the quarterback and if they can provide penetration and run stopping ability up front, if they can play – they can play. I know the Broncos met with him. I know the Broncos like him a lot. He, David, I think would be in the mix at 12. Though, again, that's not my preference. Jared Verse came in at 6'4", 254 pounds. Uh, his numbers are up, and they are good. 4'5", uh, 8", in the 40, 35-inch vertical leap, 10'7", broad, 7'3", 1", L-cone, 3-cone drill, uh, and 20-yard shuttle. Now, for me... The 40-yard dash is fun and all. It's, it's to me, I explained to my son was in here watching this, and I said the 40-yard the dash is the what's your bench of the NFL combine. <laughs> There's better lifts to determine how strong somebody is. If I want to know if I'm going to wrestle somebody or not, I'd rather know their power clean than their bench press. I'd rather know their squat than their bench press. That's the 40-yard dash. If I want to know what kind of athlete somebody is, I'm looking at shuttles, L cones, and vertical jumps. Um, his vertical jump, uh, and those three drills came in again, he measured six, four, uh, 254 pounds, seven, three, one on the L cone. That is your change of direction. Your L cone is basically, I'm turning the edge around the tackle. Can I dip my shoulder in and, and get to him? Your shuttle is your straight change of direction. And your vertical jump is just flat out explosiveness. My guy right now would probably be Dallas Turner. Hmm. Dallas Turner, University of Alabama, came in a little smaller, just a little bit smaller. He was 6'3", 247 pounds, 4'4", 6", in the 40. His 10-yard split was a little bit lower. 40-and-a-half-inch vertical leap, 10'7", broad jump. So the absolute explosion 
is there and he doesn't have a three cone or 20 yard shuttle posted yet but i have a feeling it's going to be pretty good and and frankly watching him run his 40 one it was effortless two he had his head down at the start and he swerved a little bit he ran a 42 yard 40 yard dash at 446 at 250 pounds i would probably go dallas turner ahead of jared verse right now um call that my alabama bias maybe um, but the, the, I think the traits are just a little bit better and, uh, that's, that, that's for me, David, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty dang excited about Dallas Turner right now, David. Now, can you trade down a few spots and still get Turner Scott? Do you think? No, I don't. I you think you got to take him at 12 at 12. Yeah. I think you'll have trouble getting at 12. If you, I think if the Atlanta Falcons, get their quarterback if they get justin fields they have a pretty good chance of taking him at eight or a wide receiver if roma dunze or malik neighbors is there that's where i would say and i think he'd be hard pressed to get by eight at the atlanta falcons so dallas turner jared verse they were 32nd in pass rush win rate last year and still finished with like a top 10 defense and total yards allowed um and part of that's because they've got you know, two pro bowlers in the secondary with um, with Jesse Bates and uh, A.J. Terrell. It's funny, coincidentally, you, you mentioned the pass rush and the defensive line. The Broncos just promoted uh, Jamar Kane, pass rushing specialist to defensive line coach, replacing Marcus Dixon. Why I asked you that about Turner, Scott, was because of my own bias. I just do not want a defensive lineman at 12. This is where not having a second-round pick really hurts the Broncos because you can uh, make a case in the second for Devondre Sweat or um, uh, Byron Murphy, who I like a lot. I see a lot of Ed Oliver in him. Byron Murphy's probably going top 20, top 15. Uh, being, I guess, optimistic. But my point <laughs> is, if the Broncos just had that option to take a defensive lineman in the second round, that's where the sweet spot would be. I want a quarterback in round one. I agree, because I think defensive tackle. Now, if you get, again, there is no positional value on a game changer. You know, if it's Luke Keekley, if it's Aaron Donald, except for maybe guard and center, that's, that might be a little bit different. But, you know, if you get a guy that can change a game at safety, well, you don't take a safety because of positional value. We've seen safeties change games through our Denver Broncos. You know that as well as anyone. You know, if I've got a game changer, whether it's tight end, safety, the positional value doesn't really matter. But on the whole, defensive tackle is probably in a tier two behind edge. Well, quarterback's number one. Yeah. Wide receiver, edge, offensive tackle, corner are kind of in that next tier. Defensive tackle's probably right just a little bit below those. Point being is you can get a really, really good defensive tackle in the top, in the second round, and it hurts not having that one. Yeah. Um, and then I think you can get starters at those non-premium positions, third, fourth, and fifth rounds. You can find starters at running back, safety, guard, center, um, inside linebacker, linebacker, tight end. Yeah. You can find all those guys in the later rounds, but to get those premium money positions – you usually have to use a first-round draft pick on those, and sometimes you can get them, again, you can get the defensive tackle in the second. That's where it hurts. It does. Second went away because of the Sean Payton draft. Mm -hmm. Was it, a, it was last year's first and this year's second, and then you got a pick back, didn't you? 
Yeah, and also your boy Darius Robinson, if he doesn't go in the first, he's likely going to be a lock for the second round. Again, this is just where the Broncos not having that pick. If they want to target a lineman, kind of hurts. It's funny. You see, you, you you look at Darius Robinson, and he's like, wait a minute. He's 4.95 in the 40. That was last among edge rushers. Yeah, go check his weight. <laughs> he was, uh, two, I think, 285 pounds, 286, 87 pounds. Um and he can play inside. And if you move him over to defensive tackle, all of a sudden he's the sixth quickest of the defensive tackles out of a bunch. So he's got that inside-outside uh, versatility. So uh, big fan of Darius Robinson. I didn't expect him to test like the eye-popping numbers that would put him in the top 15. I think he's still probably going to be 25 to 35. But he, he basically... He had a third round grade or so going to the senior bowl. He made himself a bunch of money and he's going to be a good player for somebody. George Fox coming on Facebook. He says, good evening, guys. Thanks for all your insight on the draft and our team. Denver Broncos for life. MHH for life. Thank you, you, George. George. Good to see you over there. Um, 69 Skater Mike Wild Rift says, you think we get any offensive linemen in this draft, Zach? Appreciate the super chat. Uh, Skater Mike. I hope so. The Broncos, fun fact, have not drafted a tackle since Garrett Bowles in 2017. And I say it every year around this time, Scott, regardless of what the Broncos do with Bowles, they have to fortify that spot. Not only do you not have anyone behind Garrett Bowles, you have no one behind Mike McGlinchey, who's a liability in himself. you got to start thinking forward about 2024 and beyond. You also could use a center, despite the Broncos uh, liking Forsyth and Wattenberg. You could probably target one there. So, yes, Skater Mike, the Broncos should come out with probably two offensive linemen in this draft, ideally. Well, I said that last year. I wanted six new linemen. How many How many came in? I said I wanted six um you had mcglinchy you had powers yeah you had Forsyth. that's three um there's probably a couple more between the practice squad new new bodies and stuff now i don't know the other teams well enough but it's unfathomable to me that the denver broncos have not drafted an offensive tackle 18 19 20 21 22 23 in the last six drafts that might not be as uncommon as it seems but i would be it would surprise me to find out if there was more than one team that had not drafted an offensive tackle in seven years so 69 skater mike if the broncos gamble this is where a a, a, a if the Broncos gamble that they can get make a, a trade up into the second round to get a quarterback, let's say they want to target Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Spencer Rattler, and they think, hey, I can do just as well with these guys in the 30 to 35 range as I can with going up and giving up more picks to get into the top 10 for J.J. McCarthy. We don't know how the board's going to fall. We don't know how they're going to evaluate guys. But if Sean Payton thinks, I can do this, you can absolutely see the Denver Broncos going with an offensive tackle at 12 in a very strong offensive tackle class. If Garrett Bowles, which it looks like it's a very strong possibility that Garrett Bowles is out the door before next season and you save $16 million in cap money. 
Uh, the beauty too, because you mentioned it, it is a very strong uh, OT class. They can stay at 12 or even maybe move back a few spots and pick up an extra pick and still get a solid tackle prospect. So yeah, that has to be a priority. So real quick, Michael Robin, uh, Michael Robinson, um, Michael Ranquillo talking about stars. It was, ele- it was 11,000 stars this morning on Broncos for breakfast. Um, that's a lot, Michael. We know it's a lot. It was certainly appreciated for sure. Um, William James Baker coming in again from across the pond with some stars as well. Um, he says, London calling again. It is almost 2 a.m. That's about what time I get up to pee for the first time <laughs> um, in the middle of the night. Second time is usually about 5 o'clock. Would you guys say that if we trade down to something like 14 to 17 and get Nick's and then get a third and four pick or a two pick, would you guys think this is better than to get McCarthy? I think I like McCarthy at 12. I don't like trading up to get him. I do like McCarthy at 12. If you were to go from 12 to 14 or 12 to 17, you should get at least a two out of that. And maybe even a future day three pick next year, a 2025 day three. So, we're gonna get. We're gonna send you. Who needs a quarterback? That is the thing. Is that's the thing. Is it, is it a lot of the teams behind you? They don't need quarterbacks because they had good seasons. Yeah, <laughs> it's the teams that are ahead of you that need quarterbacks because they stunk. Um, usually, you don't stink if you've got your quarterback. Um, or usually, you're not good if you've got your quarterback. That's for sure. Wait a minute. I've screwed that up. Usually. If you had a plus 500 season, you're probably not in the market for a quarterback is what I'm trying to spit out. Um, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. But I'd be, uh, that would be almost be a perfect world for me is to trade back and get Bonix. I, I could live with that in a heartbeat. I do not want to trade up for a quarterback in this draft because I don't think you can get one of the first three. And I don't know that I feel good enough about J.J. McCarthy to trade up for him. Yeah. Yeah, the Broncos are in a tricky spot because McCarthy's stock is only going to rise, I feel like, Scott, between now and the draft. And he might be a top eight pick. And I'm with you. I'm not sold enough to where I would move up for him. If he's there at 12 and Sean Payton signs off, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um it just comes down to preference and what the other teams do. We talked about the Falcons at eight. There's also the Vikings at 11 and the Raiders at 13. And the Raiders are going to be aggressive in getting that quarterback. So you have to weigh your own interest and where you think the board is going to fall if you do move back from 12. Yeah, for sure. Because again, you're in a bidding war. If I'm yeah. 
if I'm the Atlanta Falcons and I got Justin Fields and Dallas Turner, Roma Dunze, and Malik Neighbors go in the first seven, I'm like, all right, I don't really want an offensive tackle here. Do I want one of the corners? Okay, then I want to come back out of this. I want to move back down some. Um, I'm calling I'm calling Minnesota. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually three in a row, 11, 12, and 13. Kirk Cousins went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Russell Wilson's you know, still out there. Uh, I'm calling 11, 12, and 13. What's your best offer? And I'm, I'm going to start a bidding war. That's that's what I'm looking to do. And I've got about, what is it? Is it 10 minutes per, per pick now? Um, it used to be 15. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 minutes? I got 10 minutes to, to work the phones and make the best deal, depending on how the board falls. But I think trading back and getting Knicks would be, I'd be pretty happy with that. I really would. I don't like Knicks at 12. I like McCarthy at 12. I don't necessarily like him higher than that. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't like Knicks. I just think it's a little rich for a, a system guy, you know, a, a guy that doesn't have the, you know, the 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 traits of an elite quarterback. Doesn't mean he can't be elite. Uh, it's a tough position to uh, to scout. Uh, Michael says he's impressed with London fans, with London Broncos fans. Lots of you, especially another fellow, you know, Chelsea fan. I asked him what his team was. If you're living in London, you got a team. He's another Chelsea fan. He's, so he's he's got good taste. Broncos and Chelsea. I'm I'm here for that. I am. I'm here for that. Sam Bam coming back in, uh, coming Thanks, in with Sam. the brace. That's that's two scores already. Random thought. How funny would it be if the Broncos traded for Zach Wilson and he changed his number to three, considering what Sean Payton said about Hackett in the offseason? That is all. Won't happen, of course. Trading for Zach Wilson, who has been granted permission from the New York Jets to seek a trade. Good luck. I wouldn't give a, a, a bag of chips for Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. So the answer for me, Sam, not to kind of crap on your, your comment here, I get the humor in it, but no way, no how. I, I would rather roll with Scott at quarterback. That's not a diss at Scott. It's more of an insult for Zach Wilson. I just do not like the guy, man. The shoulder shot, man. I can still run all right for an old dude, but the shoulder shot. Just don't turn the ball over. You'll be good. I, I'd be a fumbling machine, man. <laughs> So I don't know how I don't know how some of these guys do it into their 40s, you know, into their their late 30s. I don't feel that much different at 51 than I did at 31 in my brain, but I can't run a lick anymore. I was still playing full field soccer at 31. God no, not now. I can't even remember the last time I sprinted. Um Zach Wilson. So I I've had this discussion Zach and what's cool is you're one of the only people that listens to other of our shows on HH. Yeah. <laughs> so you may have heard me say this before. If anybody asks Sam, Scott and Nick, Scott and Zach, would you take a look at dot, dot, dot? Fill in the blank. My answer doesn't matter what the name is that you fill in. My answer is yes. Yes, I'm going to take a look at. I'm going to consider it. Would you consider Zach Wilson? Yeah, I would. I would. What am I willing to give up for Zach Wilson? Nothing. If he's cut and he's on the phone and says, hey, I'd like to come meet you. We want to do an interview. I want to come throw the ball for you. Yes, I would. Now, I'm not Sean Payton. I'm one of the scouts whose names you don't know because that's my job is to find guys and toil along in anonymity. 
That's my job. I want to do that. What would I give up for, for Zach Wilson? A spot on the practice squad. A, one of the 16 on the practice squad. I, I'd do that for a year. That's it. Same for Mac Jones. Would I give up a pick or a pick swap? No, I wouldn't. Would I pay him anything? No. Practice squad money. That's worth it. That's what I'd be willing to give up. Not a spot on the 53. Doesn't matter what the money is. Practice squad spot, I would consider it. But I'm not a fan of Zach Wilson. The, the problem I have with Zach Wilson, the longer he has to throw, the worse he gets. That is so bass backwards from any young quarterback you've ever watched. If he steps back, someone posted, I think he's a, he's trolling at this point. It was like, this was the real Zach Wilson. And there's a highlight of him against, um, against the Houston Texans. I started counting. He had one second read for completion in the whole game. One. Everything else was drop back first read or scramble and throw. Sounds first familiar. read's not there and scramble and throw. If he has to get to his second read, it's 50-50 chance he's going to throw an interception. That's insane. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a professional quarterback like that, Zach. Well, that's why I said I wanted you over him, uh, Scott. But, you know, <laughs> if the Broncos do manage to pick up Zach Wilson, all I got to say is hide all the mothers in Denver. God be with you all. <laughs> oh, goodness. I see a – that's the other thing that changes as you get older. You see a attractive young woman, you're like, ooh, I want to meet your mama. <laughs> so i can't blame him for that yeah mom's beware i can't i can't blame him for that of course you know i'm 30 years older than he is but hey who's counting um want to get to some of the winners and losers we've already talked not not even losers we've already talked to a couple of the guys now tavandre sweat was considered uh the big defensive tackle uh he didn't weigh in at the senior bowl and it raised some eyebrows Okay, well, how much does he weigh? He weighed in at 366, which is what his listed playing was weight was at the University of Texas. And a couple of the mock drafts we've done on PFF, we're able to get him in the third round in the 80s to 90s. I think 45 to 55 is where it's going to take to get him. One of the guys that I absolutely loved, I'm going to bring up his, his Senior Bowl video here real quick, that I loved at the Senior Bowl, Zach. Um, his name is Braden Fisk. He is a defensive tackle, played with Jared Verse at Florida State. And we started calling him a couple of different nicknames. One of them was like Mr. Get Off because he was always the first guy off the line. And he was just super quick. And then I started calling him Kingpin. Um, let me, uh, but he, he came in his height and weight, but I, I just love how quick he gets off the ball. And then he came in at, uh, let me see what his listed height and weight was. Defensive line, Braden Fisk. He came in at 6'5 and 3'8, 292 pounds, uh, and ran a 4'7'8 today um, on, the, on the 40. I mean, he's, he's listed around 100 as a prospect, and he moved like a first-round pick today. Can you get him in the third? Maybe. Maybe. I think people would be insane to let him fall, but we've seen some people do some crazy stuff. This guy helped himself about as much as everybody. The other thing we called him, I told you about Daredevil, uh, Zach. Kingpin, 
in the Marvel Marvel universe is Wilson Fisk. This guy's Braden Fisk, so I started calling him Kingpin. So you know, big white guy, shaved head. This is Kingpin. Uh, I like here. This was that was him just you know anchoring the line and you know punching the ball out. Um, here he is, right dead center again, right first off the line into the backfield. I mean, he's he's a third down wrecking machine. Uh, you know, I don't want him as a nose guard. Quick hands, good drive, fast off the line, just a couple of Chick-fil-A biscuits under 300 pounds. So he had himself a very, very good day today. You said Mr. Getoff. I can think of worse nicknames to have, Scott. And I think he posted one of the faster uh, 40 times for a defensive lineman at the Combine. And you're right. His his stock is going to rise. I don't see him falling to the third. There could be a run on defensive linemen in the second round, starting with Sweat and Darius Robinson. Again, this is where not having that pick really hampers what the Broncos want to do. Another guy that really helped himself today, if you're looking at linebackers, inside linebackers, was Peyton Wilson. Uh, he had a good senior bowl as well. Peyton Wilson came in at six foot four, 233 pounds, and ripped off a four, four, three, 40 time with a one, five, four, 10 yard split. Where does that 10 yard split put him? It put him second, tied for second. There were several of those guys, including Dallas Turner. Uh, Chop Robinson is another guy who had a good day. Now they're going to question his arm length, et cetera, et cetera. But Chop Robinson came in. Uh, with an easy 44840 with a 154 split again, tied for second, 35 inch vertical and a 108 broad and a 425 shuttle. So good side to side. Uh, but Peyton Wilson, uh, solid work at the uh, senior bowl. And Sam Bam says, Yes, Broncos trade for Zach Wilson. Hide your moms. Um, yeah, They're, you know, if you're my age, you're your wife. So, um, appreciate you, Sam Bam, coming up with the super chat. Uh, and as, as Kathy Schmidt, good to see you. She comes in. She says, Fisk was the fastest of the DL with a, um, why do I keep closing out the, the results page? I, I had it, I've had it open three times and I keep closing out the, the results for, for DL. Um, so if I click on, on defensive tackles, Braden Fisk officially was four, seven, eight. McKay Wingo was four, eight, five out of LSU and Byron Murphy came in third at 487. So Braden Fisk again just a shade light at uh at four at, at uh 292 pounds. But Byron Murphy came in at 297 and then Makai Wingo came in with his 485 and he weighed in at 284 pounds. So he's not that small. So again, when we're start talking about oh, you know, what did uh what did Darius Robinson? He was the slowest of the edges. Yeah, he was also 30 pounds heavier than all the edges. Darius Robinson, again, he came in at, at 6'5, 285 pounds, um, with a 35-inch vertical, 495. So he he again, he still didn't have, even for a, a 290 pounder, he still didn't have incredible numbers. Um, but he uh he's he's still tested well enough as far I'm uh I'm concerned. Lance Anderson coming in. Hey, Lance, you know, speak of the devil. Lance Anderson said, hey, fellas, the interior defensive line we miss out on with the no, no second round pick is Braden Fisk. What a performance. 
Yeah, Braden Fisk had a great senior bowl, Lance. Um, and I know y'all will, will hit on a bunch of this tomorrow night, and you'll have more positions to talk about on Dub Valley Deep Divers uh, Friday night. But yeah, Braden Fisk had himself a day. He's had himself a month because the senior bowl was just four weeks ago. So he's had a very, very good offseason performance, Zach. Yeah, Lance, appreciate you popping in on a Thursday. And I agree with what you're saying here. Not having a second round pick is if they're looking for a defensive line lineman, defensive line help, they're going to suffer with that. But you brought up inside linebacker, Scott. I want to touch on that really quickly. That's another sneaky need. Not more than offensive tackle, not more than quarterback, but look who's under contract for 2024 in terms of notable players. Alex Singleton and Jonas Griffith, who's coming off a season-ending injury. And I say that because Josie Jewell's probably gone in free agency, and they're going to move Drew Sanders, they confirmed at the Combine, mostly to an edge hybrid player, taking him away from off-ball. It's another position, Scott, they have not addressed in recent years, kind of like tackle, that has to end this April. Yeah, and you can get those guys, you can get good inside linebackers um, later on in the draft. It's uh, It's... The closer you are to the ball, the less the the combine traits matter. Now, when I'm talking about center, quarterback, inside linebacker, those are cerebral positions. Now, obviously, you've got to be a little crazy to to play in there. You know, every inside linebacker you've ever met is a little nuts because you know they're they're like fullbacks are running headfirst into a brick wall all the time. But they're usually pretty damn smart. Now, if you can mix all of that smartness with the physical ability and tenacity, then you end up with Mike Singletary, with Luke Keekley, um, with the with Brian Urlacher, with you know, real difference makers. But those guys, they're hard to find. Uh, they're they don't come around real often. When we start talking about generational, I just mentioned guys from you know 40 years ago, um 20 years ago. You know, Fred Warner's good, but he's he's a different guy than than those three I just mentioned. You can get good value later on. And the Broncos, what do they have? Six picks? Yeah. Six picks this, this year. So you can go with the, the, those double fifth round picks, 144 and 146. I could get a linebacker in there. I could get an inside linebacker in there. I'm not going to get Peyton Wilson, but I could I could get somebody in there that can come in and help. There's another Wilson that I, I still kind of lament the Broncos never taking, and that was Logan Wilson, and who ended up going in the third round, I think, in 2020. I, it, it doesn't have to be the third, Scott, necessarily this time around, but they have to use, a I would say, a mid-round pick to address that position. They literally don't have bodies there right now. Yeah, and we'll see how much Drew Sanders moves. It scares me a little bit. Why are they moving him to edge? Think of the positives. Give me the positives, and then we'll play devil's advocate on that. What? Why would I move him to edge? Uh, to me, there's no, I know there's probably an answer that you're looking for, Scott. But to me, there's there's no good thing about it because you're putting too much on his plate. I'd rather the Broncos make him a one position player. And this is what VJ really quickly. This is what VJ has historically done. Even going back to his time in Denver, the first time with Demarcus Walker, he did it in Arizona twice with Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. He doesn't leave well enough alone. And now they're doing the same thing to Sanders. That's my rant. I actually think you're taking stuff off of his plate, which goes into the negative of why you're moving him. Because Edge, from a 
thinking man's position is a much easier position to play. It's okay. Set the edge, get the quarterback. You know, it's, it's, it's much more straightforward. It scares me to think that they're, but the problem is physically speaking, the better athletes, again, the farther you get away from the ball, the better, the more athletic you have to be. The bigger, faster, stronger guys are outside. He's not all that big. He's about 235 pounds coming in. You know, you've got guys that we're talking about in this draft that are 250, 255, 260, and you're already undersized on the defensive line in your front five, you know, with Jonathan Cooper, Baron Browning, and now Drew Sanders. It scares me to think that the reason they're moving him outside, and this is speculation on my part based on a little bit of scouting, watching him get his head spun around in the freaking washing machine last year, hmm. he can't handle the mentality of the end of playing the inside linebacker and to get anything out of him, they're going to have to move him outside where it's less thinking and more physical ability. Cause he is a pretty good physical specimen. He's just undersized out there. Zach. Yeah. I was going to say he left a lot to be desired watching him last season. I know it was a rookie and a big acclimation period. I get all that, but he seemed like a boy among some men the, more often than not when I saw him. And if we're already entering Scott for, uh, a third round pick like Sanders, if we're already entering the, if we get anything out of him phase after only one season, that doesn't look good for his career outlook. Well, it doesn't look good for the guys that traded up to pick him either. We call that a swing and a miss. True. Whoosh! That's like strike seven, you know, on, on some of these bolder moves that we see now. That said, any move that was made in 2023, I'm putting at the feet of Sean Payton, not George Payton. Anything prior to that was on George Payton. Russell Wilson was on was on him. Randy Gregory was on him. DJ Jones, um, Kwan Williams. You know those were those were good picks. There was some good things in there too. Again, but anything last year, anything this year, until someone I trust tells me otherwise, Sean Payton's a general manager of this team. Um, Payton also hired VJ too. There you go. So, I mean, again, <laughs> what scares me about Sean Payton is general manager Sean Payton scares me. Yeah. Um, I think he could end up on, on the negative. Where where can this go wrong? That's where it can go wrong. The the general manager could sabotage the team. Not on purpose. Sabotage almost sounds like you, you're doing it on purpose. But, again, it's a different skill set and it's different priorities um, between general manager. And, and there needs to be a checks and balances in there even if you are a great personnel guy, there still needs to be checks and balances between what I need to win right now and what I need for the future. Cause that gets skewed really badly. If the coach is doing the personnel movement too, Kenny's coming in back to back KB 82. He says he's got some questions because yes, there is going to be uh, there are questions at cornerback. He says, can Jaquan McMillian, McMillian be the long-term answer across from PS2 at corner? I think he's the long-term answer next to PS2 in the slot. I mean, he's the, the replacement for K1 Williams. They're good at slot cornerback, Scott, but I think they need another boundary corner. Damari Mathis did not cut it. Your boy Fabian Moreau did not cut it last year. That's why they're looking at cornerbacks in the draft like Terry and Arnold, uh, who could form a really lethal... Uh, a bookend to PS2, not the position I'd go at 12, but they do need someone outside KB. McMillian is more of a slot guy. Um, Yeah, so I agree. Uh, and, and again, 
I don't want to mess with what works. Right. You know, it could he could he the, the the outside corners are more valuable than the slot corners. They just are. If you can't play outside, they move you inside. Um, if they if you can't play inside, they move you to safety. If you can't play safety, you're on special teams, and then you're eventually out of the league. So could he be more valuable if he was that good on the outside? Yes, he could be. I don't know that he could be, though, and I don't want to weaken one position to make an experiment at the other. I have found a spot for him where he's really, really good. He won't like that as much because he's not going to get paid as much when his contract comes up and he's labeled as a slot corner. Uh, They don't make as much money because, again, they're not as valuable. But he's found himself, considering where he came from, I have a feeling he's going to be pretty happy with a seven to ten million dollar deal as a really good slot corner uh in long term. So uh on him, and then there's a question: is there a safety we can develop into a hybrid linebacker? Shoot, they're all hybrid linebackers at this point. Um, you see them line up in the box, move around. I don't know, I know traits a little bit, but I, I don't know the safeties nearly as well from senior bowl scouting. Um, just because they don't do as much. You can't tell what they can do in the running game. Um, you know, when you're not allowed to tackle in practice, it's really hard to get a feel for who can tackle. <laughs> and then you wonder why nobody can tackle because they don't, they're not allowed to tackle in practices. Stay up, stay up, stay up. That's all you hear. You know, they go up and tap somebody and let them run by because they're afraid of injuries. And then they can't tackle in games. Well, here's a crazy concept, Scott. I mean, how about if you want an outside linebacker, take a pure outside linebacker. If you want an inside linebacker, take a pure inside linebacker. Why try to force more square pegs into round holes? And how often in the NFL, historically, Scott, has that dimebacker role really worked out? The Mark Barons and the, the Sua Cravens. It's, it's not ideal. If you want a linebacker, just draft a pure linebacker. It's not hard. God, I loved those guys in high school, though. Um, yeah. I had, I think I had, I think I had Mark Barron listed as a, I don't remember if I had him listed as a safety or not uh, when he was coming out. He was from South Alabama and he was really good. And then Sua Cravens was out in California when I lived out in California. So I got to see, I think he was at maybe at Vista Murrieta. I got to watch him play a lot. Oh my God, what a football player he was. And then, you know, I always think um, Eric Berry. You know, Eric Berry was from just south of Atlanta, and I started watching him. He was a county player of the year as a sophomore, and he's one of the best pure football players ever watched. And that was the kind of weapon you're hoping for, that I can move, uh, that chess piece I can move. Again, a difference maker doesn't have positional value. Oh, I, I don't want to take him. He's a safety. Yes, take him. Kyle Hamilton, it's too high to take him as a safety. Really? He's all pro now. He would have been a pretty good pick in the top 10, huh? Um, but that's what you're looking for. The Kyle Hamilton type, Kenny. I think that's the one you're, you're talking about too for the Baltimore Ravens. And then he, he comes in again. He says, should we kick the tires on Shaq Barrett? Um, I don't know what kind of season he had last year, to be honest with you. I think he fell off a little bit after that Achilles injury. He wasn't as dominant as he was uh, during that Super Bowl run with Brady, but still a capable player. Let me see what PFF just for PFF um, 32 tackles, five sacks, not bad Um, total snaps on. uh, He still had a bunch of, he had almost 600 snaps. So he still played a lot. An overall grade of 75.3 with a pass rush grade of 84.5. That ain't bad. 
And he's still just 31 years old, just turned 31. So um, again, Kenny, I don't know when you came in. Hey, Scott, would you look at? Yes, yes, I would. I'd, I'd be on the phone. I, I think he's a guy who could help make my team better. I I would say, get on the phone and say, listen, you know, what are you looking for? Um, what kind of shape are you in? Let's come take a physical. And, you know, are we even in the ballpark of what we're willing to spend on a free agent in this position? And if the answer is yes, then let's look a little more. If the answer is no, then thanks. It was worth a phone call. Um, Shaq Barrett from looking on paper can, can help this team. Now is acquiring him. Would it cost you more than you're willing to spend? Cause you have to take away from someplace else. But is he better than who, who you got three guys? Who am I forgetting? Is it Drew Sanders? Is he the fourth now? Because you go Benito Cooper Browning, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. But that was that was it as far as the edge guys go. Who am I the forgetting? Main guys. Must it, then it's Drew Sanders, then. So, you know, can you trade a Cooper who's about to come up to to get an, another contract? Browning, his contract's about to come up. So maybe, maybe. Can he be the guy you were hoping to get when you signed Frank Clark? Right. That's what you, that's what the hope is, Zach. Or, yeah, when you picked up Randy Gregory. I was going to say, Scott, you already nailed the point. It comes down to the money and what he's looking for. I could see like a, a one-year prove-it deal for Shaq to come home and kind of rehab his value. And he's still fairly young. 31 is not overly elderly uh, for an outside linebacker. So if he wants to come home and he wants to take a, a cheaper contract with not a lot of guaranteed money, I'd be all for it because Drew Sanders is not the solution at outside linebacker. Goodness gracious. So um, you don't have to worry about his money because he's basically already been compensated for this year by Tampa Bay. He's carrying a, they really cut him. He's carrying a $27 million dead cap hit. Wow. I don't know if they absorb that all at once because he's got void years in there out the yin-yang where he's carrying void year cap hits for the next four years, five years, including this one, of 12, 8, 5, and 3, unless they were able to take that into – I just don't water my lap. That's why you talk with your hands. You got a big full cup of water with you. Um, so I, I have to look more into that. But going into this year, they were talking about a $27 million dead cap hit because he had four void years yeah. on there. I hate those void years. So you don't have to worry about paying him next year. He's already been paid for 2024 as part of his big contract uh, and his – $20 million is $35 million guaranteed on four years. He's already been paid for next year. Tampa Bay is picking up the bill. Be nice to have somebody else pay your players for a change, right? Instead of you paying guys to not play for, to play for, to not play for you. Let Tampa Bay pick up the tab on a new edge rusher. Possible. Yeah. Possible. Those, those dummy years are very in vogue around the NFL. Look what the Broncos did with uh, Randy Gregory, for example. That was basically a two-year contract. It, it it's comes this down. This is to different, though. This is different. There's there's void years where you're gonna say, "I am going to take a dead cap hit for multiple years," and he is no longer under contract with me. Dead numbers. This was different. Those are. This is a. This is a four-year contract for forty million dollars with 20 guaranteed. Okay. Well, what it really is, is a two-year deal at 10 million a year. And after year two, I have options. 
I can get out of it if I want to. These are actually, he is not under contract. It's basically, I am going to waive you. It's really hard to even explain. We're, you're, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really know how to explain. I guess that's why I don't like it. They're void years. Maybe Jeremy can come in here and help me. Where's DWI guys when I need them to talk about the lawyer on this? We agree to waive you, and but we're going to count this salary cap across four years that we know for a fact you're not going to be here. Where with Randy Gregory, who was under contract, as soon as you cut the guy, all of that money that you put into future years automatically comes forward. The void years pushes them off. And I guess as long as you run your contract out and not cut somebody in ahead of time, then those years count in the future. The Saints do this all the time. Every single friggin' one of their players is on void years. Anyway, sorry about that, y'all. It's just I don't I don't like it, probably because I don't quite understand it, but it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem what the nature of the salary cap was intended for. <laughs> it just depends on what Shaq Barrett's interests are at 31. Does he want to join a contender and want another ring? Or is he okay coming back to Denver and uh, returning where it all began? I'd like to have him back for the record. Thomas Incombe was somebody I was forgetting. Was he on the practice squad, though? Or was he on the 53, he was on the 53. all season? Yeah, He was on the 53. Yep, Thomas Incombe, un undrafted free agent, senior bowl last year. Uh, do remember him. Uh, Thank you, Lance. Knew I was forgetting somebody. And he did he did start getting a few snaps towards the end of the season, too, if I'm not mistaken. I just felt like there was there was four guys in the rotation and I was forgetting somebody. But now it's Drew Sanders. Again, I I I have big concerns about Drew Sanders' future with the Denver Broncos if he's being moved to edge because he's not a great fit there physically. And mentally, he looked out of his depth last year. So that uh, that does make me a little nervous. Um, again, just kind of wrapping up some of the big winners from today at the at the NFL Combine. Dallas Turner was a big one for me. Um, Jared Verse had a very good day. Uh, Cedric Johnson for Ole Miss time uh, test out pretty well. One guy I wanted to I want to talk about. Then we'll get out of here. We didn't expect him to have a great testing, and he didn't. He was okay. But it was Leatu Latu, UCLA. He was above average. He ends up being that George Karloftis type who is uber productive, pops on film, and then he's just uh, kind of okay at the NFL Combine and falls. Well, if you like him, falling is good. He, he kind of scares me, though, personally. Maybe we'll be split on, on opinion on this, but his medicals and just his bust potential, he has a very high-risk, high-reward. I was going to say he has a high ceiling, but his floor could be iffy. What he kind of reminds me of, Scott, on a lesser extent, remember Aaron Curry, uh, the former inside linebacker, supposed to be the next big thing. I know different positions, but there was always that bust potential attached to him, and I just I don't know about Latu. I really like him. I really like the football player. I think this is the kind of guy, again, you look at the teams at the back end of the draft that always end up with all these great players, and you say, how do they get him at 30? You know, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, those are the teams I kind of always come back to. And it's because they go, there's, there's a scale, there's a line that goes on production is up one side, and, you know, traits are on the other. 
the guys that go in the very high are the ones that are at the top right of this scale. They've got their production. They're very good football players, and they've got traits that make them the freak athletes. Those are the guys that go the highest. Guys start to fall when they start sliding one way or the other. Either they're uber athletes, Adafa Owe, and not all that great of production, or they're tremendous football players but don't have the traits. But they're pegging one of those or the other. That's where teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Steelers have historically lived. Always betting on the traits. Latu is one of those guys who does not peg the meter on traits, but he pegs it for me on football player. And that will make him a second half of round one, I think. And I think he's got a pretty good future. Gary Palmer, $10 coming in with the super chat. Thank you, my Thank friend. You, he says, thanks, Zach and Scott. Trade back if we miss and pick up a second. Go Broncos. I love the trade back idea. I really do. If Bo Nix is your guy and you can trade back and get him, I love it, Zach. That would be one of the best options you could possibly think of for me. Yeah, and we were talking about Latu. What I was thinking was at 25, 27, I have no problem with him. At 12, that's a bridge too far. So, Gary, if if that was always my second preference, if you miss out on a quarterback at 12, move down, pick up that capital for the second round, and go get yourself a Tavondre Sweat. Go get yourself a, a Fisk or a Darius Robinson. Want to hit uh, Ronald Putman coming in. Good to see you, Ronald. He says, how about taking Arnold, Terry on Arnold, a cornerback from Alabama at 12? And bring him and PS2 together, then work on trenches with the rest of the draft in free agency. Um, cornerback's an option. I think it's an option. If, if he's on your board, cornerback is a premium position. So if if when you're drafting, and again, you feel you've either addressed the quarterback situation in somehow, some way, or you feel there isn't one within striking distance of where you are drafting, because right now quarterback quarterback is your number one priority far and away. Then corner could be an option depending on if you have Terry on Arnold head and shoulders above other other players on your board. The way I think this one works out though, Ronald, offensive tackle is going to be a bigger priority if Garrett Bowles is gone, and there's going to be players on there that are equal or better on your board at offensive tackle when you pick 12. Same goes for edge. I would rather have edge offensive tackle and I think the board is going to dictate that it ends up being a better pick for, for you at 12 than cornerback. But yes, turning a strength into a superpower with your defensive secondary by locking up uh, the, 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 the back side of your defense and building back to front is definitely a possibility. Yeah, I can't wait to have the number one pass defense and the last ranked uh, passing offense. But on a serious note, I did like Arnold, uh, how he ha handled himself and presented himself at the Combine. Scott, I thought he commanded the podium, and uh, you could tell he loves football. I have no doubt he's going to be a great pro. It's just, if you name five areas of need that can go at 12, I would put cornerback at fifth. Quarterback, and then tackle, like you said, and then maybe edge or defensive line. Cornerback is my last priority. Yeah, I, I mean, there's you could make a need, again, depending on how your board falls. The premium positions that we mentioned, quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, corner, and edge. Those are the five big ones. Quarterback's number one on that. You could make a case for any one of those players if, if you had a draft as being a need. Yeah, I could use another wide receiver, especially if I move on from Judy or Sutton. Then, And I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing something with Patrick, and I can't count on him anyway. He hadn't played in two years. 
Um, edge, yes. Defensive line, absolutely. But he's got to be – the defensive lineman has to be head and shoulders above uh, anybody else because, again, that's a tick below those other positions. So, Ronald, thank you for the question. But I, I think Arnold – I can make a case for Arnold um, depending on what happens during free agency. Michael Ranquillo closing us out. He says, great show tonight, Zach and Scott on Mile High Huddle Podcast. Go Broncos. Um, I will be back tomorrow if you want to talk some more draft, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. Um, going to be talking some some more, getting a little bit more in-depth as more information pours in overnight on the defensive line and linebackers uh, in the morning. And then tomorrow night, the Dove Valley Deep Divers will be in their happy place talking NFL Combine at 8 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain Time tomorrow with Lance and Eric. Don't miss it. Nope. Thank you, Michael, so much for your support as always. That's going to do it, though, I believe, for this uh, episode of the Mile High Huddle podcast. If you're not doing so, please follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Kelberman NFL. And also, if you haven't, please go to MHHmarch.com and get your swag on if you haven't already done so. Please also drop us a like at facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. You can find us on Instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And if you're using Apple podcasts, make sure you're leaving your football priest and our Deacon Scott, a five star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, all please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Just like y'all want to say thank you to our super chat, superstars and Facebook star supporters, Sam Bam coming in early, David McElrath, Michael Ranquillo several times, David Yonkin, George Fox, 69 skater, Mike Williams, James Baker across the pond, Kathy Schmidt across the pond as well. Y'all are up late. Uh, Lance Sanderson, Lance. Good to see you. We'll see you tomorrow night. Kenny coming in several times, the GLP. And Ronald Putman, thank you. Much love and respect. Appreciate you helping to keep the lights on and keep this forehead bright and shiny. <laughs> It'll probably, as Scott inferenced earlier, be Scott and I on Sunday's episode. We'll keep you posted. If it's not, we'll see you then, though. Have a great start to your weekend. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.